Welcome to the Newscape Higher Ed Podcast, featuring your hosts, Don Betts and Mark Stansberry. This podcast is brought to you by Newscape Higher Ed Advisors, helping university leaders effectively serve their faculty, staff, students, and community. Visit newscape.us to find out more. Welcome to another episode of Newscape Higher Ed Advisors. I'm Mark Stansbury. Yes, hi, and I'm Don Betts. Don, we're going to be covering a topic today that's uh, close uh, to both of us in that uh, we've both been involved through many years in the international arena. And in that regard, today's topic is uh, going to be uh, internationalization, uh, internationalization of higher, educa- higher education and the local impact of international students. And I can't think of anyone uh, that I would uh, want to share this subject with any more than Don Betts, who has uh, had many, many years of experience uh, in New York and other locations and higher education and so forth. Don, would you share some of those experiences and how they uh, uh, are part of today's topic? And in fact, I would like to share that when we talk about international impact, before we, we go to that, is that there were, in 2019-20, there was around a million students in higher education in the U.S., as far as international students, uh, an impact of, uh, from stats that I came across around uh, 37, 39, between 37 and $39 billion of economic impact and 406,000 jobs. So we'll go from there. Uh, please talk about uh, some of your experiences. Well, Mark, I'm really glad you brought those stats up because it speaks to a couple of issues. One is, is that prior to COVID, we had about a million, as you mentioned, a million students studying in the United States, international students. But that number, um, which is obviously significant, was actually going through the tail end of a five-year decline. So we actually had more than that five years prior. This is even before COVID is factored in. But the stats that you just uh, talked about, the economic impact of international students is something that you and I have brought up on several occasions to business leaders, educators, and others, because those who don't appreciate or recognize um, the varying ways that international students and international education impact, quote, the bottom line or the quality of life of a community or a state, this really shows it in another way. And I, I recall, for example, uh, uh, just one example, uh, University of Central Oklahoma, when you were serving as the chair of the of the regents, uh, that there was a point there when we had uh, a very large number of international students representing 109 countries. So it was it was a significant economic factor uh, in the university's life, as well as the tremendous impact on the culture and diversity, uh, et cetera. And they also played a very strong role, as you know, in the relationships with the community. And I always would marvel at the way that local families would literally take these students in and have them over and meet their children, et cetera, because they want their children to meet somebody from other places and understand that different is not bad. Different is actually just diverse. And we have a chance to learn a great deal from others uh, beyond ourselves. But uh, the U.S. has always been a very attractive venue or destination for uh, international students. Uh, both graduate and undergraduate, and I'll talk a little bit more about the graduate side. But let me just throw this in, Mark, at this point. When we think back over the last 40 years or so, there have been points 
in history, uh, U.S. history and diplomacy, when the international students were directly impacted by something going on globally. So, for example, we both recall in the 1970s, late 1970s, if you went on campuses across the country, and particularly in Oklahoma and other places, you had a large number of Irani students. There were at Northeastern State University in eastern Oklahoma, a rural campus, there were dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of those students. And they represented um, um, a decision taken by the government of Iran to make sure that their students studied abroad, and many of them came to the U.S., and some of them found themselves virtually all over the country. But all that stopped in 1979 with the Iranian Revolution, the Shah being deposed, and... I recall those international students literally going away. Uh, we had dozens or hundreds, and then suddenly uh, there were none. And a couple of other examples. Japan um, was a very powerful presence on campuses around the country for many years. That has now changed. Saudi Arabia had hundreds of, had actually thousands of students studying in the United States, but with a change of administration and a change of economic um, forecasting, in Saudi Arabia, they regrouped and they actually had those students, many of them come home or go to other institutions, other parts of the world, what they call the top 100 ranking institutions. And so many of those that were on campuses around the United States uh, were no longer there. If you go to a campus today in the US, you will see the largest groups are Chinese students, Indian students, and Vietnamese students. And they're from other countries as well. But the lion's share for several years has been China, India as second. I think that those numbers are going to shift and change with time. But the point I wanted to make here, Mark, is that international students are, are part of the fabric of American universities, not just research one institutions or, or large publics or Ivy League, but you find them literally across the country in state colleges and universities and populating many of the most important graduate programs and graduate uh, and graduate disciplines around the country in terms of the actual numbers pursuing those graduate degrees. Don, in, in your experience, uh, you, you're talking about your involvement with international students at the university level, uh, as far as on a local level, which is a local impact, which we talked about, or you've talked about, but uh, study abroad um, is such an important part. And I know you were instrumental in that through uh, whatever other organizations we're part of, and in addition to being president, president of several universities, uh, uh, so and, and leader in the university, I should say. Um, tell us about the impact uh, when it comes to international students, when it comes to student abroad programs. To me, this is the other, other side of the internationalization conversation and initiatives that are going on nationally. There are so many of the colleagues in the country right now who are just um, in the starting blocks, ready to have their students go abroad again. Uh, that, that group that had been studying abroad really shrank to a trickle. And while there were, very, there were some that did, it was just nowhere near what it was before. So I was in a conversation recently with a group of provosts from universities across the country, state college university provosts, and they are uh, designing new ways of getting their students abroad, and at the same time trying to attract students from other countries to their campuses as well. And much of those, much of the initiatives that brings, take students abroad 
are faculty-based. So it is really the faculty who, who drive student interest, um, student connection, and student experience. And Mark, you and I both know um, often around the holidays, spring break, and then in the summer, how many uh, faculty-led student groups were in all across, not just in Europe, which is a sort of an obvious target for many, but also in other parts of the world, the Middle East, South Asia, Mexico, Latin America, so forth. The faculty members' interests, their research uh, in a particular area, their longstanding personal connection to a region of the, of the world um, becomes a, um, a point of connection with their students who are, many of them have not been out of the country. Only 5% of US students have ever actually studied outside the country or been outside the country. So this, they're the conduit to get them over there. But once they've had that experience, that study abroad that you just brought up a moment ago goes into a category of descriptors called high impact practices. And what that term means, and it applies to other initiatives like undergraduate research, et cetera, what, uh, internships, what that implies is the return on the investment from that experience translates into a student persisting, graduating, becoming more focused, becoming more interested in the growth and development of their future options that she sees opportunities she wouldn't have seen otherwise, but she also has realized that she has capacities and dreams and confidences that she had not touched before because she just successfully navigated another country, another language, a bunch of traditions, made friends perhaps, and, and that's just the trigger. And I, I had one of those personal experiences about a half century ago that probably defined the pathway that I ended up on, and it really had to do with opportunity to, to study abroad. So you focusing on study abroad is important not only um, to the individual student, but I think it's important to the institution, as it says to a student that's considering coming, this is the full range of learning options that you're going to be exposed to and have a chance to capitalize on if you come to our institution. I was fortunate uh, to be part of a program back in uh, 1976, uh, the year uh, that uh, celebration of Bicentennial of the United States. And uh, in Washington, D.C. was where the internship that I was involved with, you mentioned internships. And uh, the, the Fund for American Studies uh, was the organization that I was part of as far as attending the Institute on Economic and Political S Systems. And it was held at Georgetown University. And that year alone, uh, D.C. had would bring in uh, uh, delegations from countries from each week, a new country, Ireland, next week, England, next week, Peru, whatever. And I would highlight these uh, countries while we were there. And it was just fascinating, the student involvement, uh, the the actual, you know, we call breaking bread, of course, and visiting with each other and talking about our cultures and all that. It was just wonderful. And I think that as a 20-year-old, I look back to that being a, one of the highlights of my life was uh, touching uh, other people in other parts of the world that they represented. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it was fascinating. Now, I, I fast forward that to uh, opportunities that I've had since then 
in the international arena, and that uh, would be the business, uh, energy business, education, in far as higher education, and, and other areas. I find that once you communicate with others and you have the relationship, uh, much success can happen. And uh, I find that that's uh, some somewhat missing uh, in our world today is uh, it's, it's us versus them. And, and I know uh, that's going to happen, of course, uh, in, in times we have today when it comes to uh, issues of war and other things. But others, outside of that, we've got to have communication and working together and, and build relationships. And I find it the best way possible is in higher education. It's, it's just a great way uh, for students to get involved and to, uh, to whether it's study abroad or just uh, like you had at your programs at UCO, Don, where you brought in, uh, you'd have a, uh, a few days where the International Student Appreciation Day or, or an event where you could uh, have food and, and share the culture of different countries. And, and just to have that interaction go so far. And uh, I, I really appreciate what you did as a president of university to open doors for others uh, for us to have that understanding that's uh, very, very important. Well, Mark, you've had so much experience in your life in energy, but way beyond uh, in connecting peoples around the world to one another. And, and I have been uh, always admired, admired your work. And I was thinking about it the other day, actually it was in March. I was on a, I was on a conference call that was organized by the U.S. Department of State. And it really had to do with the very issues we're talking about, study abroad, internationalization, bringing more international students to the United States. And what I found in the dialogue with the Department of State and the Department of Education, U.S. Department of Education, was a very focused belief in these programs. And the term that the U.S. Department of State representative used for the impact that study abroad and internationalization can provide was public diplomacy. So we, there are varying kinds of diplomacy. There's foreign policy undertaken by, by governments, et cetera. And then there's public diplomacy, which you're very well aware of in the people-to-people work that you've done before. And this public diplomacy, which they will be openly encouraging uh, in the conversation, is it get people to meet other people from other places so that the barrier of difference can evaporate and you realize that there's someone at the other end who's not a a stereotype, someone who has not been um, vilified and, and, and circumscribed into a particular pattern that makes us not understand who she is, what she's about, and what, and what things are important to her. So their, their comments were that they believe that, that study abroad is, is really a significant way to enrich the global environment and actually to address some of those longstanding issues that you just alluded to that are now separating us um, politically uh, around the globe. In case of war, it's a different story, but the differences that can be developed based on misinformation or lack of contact. One of the dimensions that I've always been interested in when colleagues have talked about study abroad and perhaps not been in favor of it, and one of the comments I've heard even from certain students who said, well, I'd like to study abroad, but I don't want my grades to suffer, I don't want to fall behind. Uh, was a was a study that was just done this past year that appeared um, in the Chronicle of Higher Education and was re- alluded to there in a wonderful column every week called Latitudes that Karen Fisher writes about international education. And this study uh, is really quite significant. They 
They had studied the records of 221,000 students across 35 institutions, seeing who's gone study abroad, who had, and what they're trying to look for is that, is there really a deficiency in terms of academic success and graduation if you study abroad? I'm gonna go study abroad for a semester. Most students go less than that now, but let's say they go for a semester. My grades may suffer and I will quote fall behind. If so I go for a year, oh my goodness, what's gonna happen? Well, their study is incredibly revealing and I was so pleased that Karen included it in that Latitudes uh, Chronicle of Higher Ed article because she said that the analysis found rather than negative, quote, the analysis found positive impacts of education abroad on graduation rates within four to six and six years, which we use as, as a standard, and also in the cumulative GPA. Now, the, the time to degree was not, did not suffer. Uh, they didn't, they didn't make, they didn't dramatically change the graduation rate, but it did slightly increase, but it didn't decrease, didn't dramatically change the cumulative GPA. There was a slight increase, but it did not decrease. And there's enough of an N here, enough of a sample for us to at least take a second and third look at the impact of, of study abroad. And especially now, Mark, when COVID is beginning to become more manageable and um, industries, governments, tourist organizations, um, different universities and are willing to begin to send faculty and students to other places once again. I think it's important that the, I think it's important that every student have an international experience. And I think that uh, there are institutions in the United States that actually build that into their mission statement. But you, you know, there are several ways to do that. And when we're doing it, we have to think about not just those who are uh, financially able to go, maybe we have to consider other ways to make sure that all students have some sort of a global experience. I find that the, going back to the international student that make the local impact here, uh, I find that uh, many of those that I've met have always uh, been uh, always requesting, <laughs> come over and visit our country. There's, it's always that attitude is that you're, we're a student here, but we'd like you to come over and, and uh, participate in our system also. And it's that uh, that opportunity that that I've seen open many times, especially uh, what you've done at uh, UCO and other activities you've had with other universities. Uh, that you you went and uh, and actually had uh, I call it ambassadorship programs, where you're actually being ambassador of your campus and going over to different parts of the world and introducing. Uh, you know. I think of the effort of, of the music program at UCO, and that really touched a lot of lives. And that's from England uh, coming over to the United States. Uh, and that impact just is one program that uh, made such an, a, a great impact. I was glad to be part of the Regents uh, when that was uh, introduced, and it's carrying on to this day. Um, so that's just one in example of, of some of the leadership activities you've been involved with that are still touching lives. You know, so many, so many students, um, so many potential students and, and their families that are not exposed to a global opportunity for a variety of reasons. As I said earlier, they're often persistent stereotypes, some of them based on experience, some of them on misinformation, et cetera, et cetera, that really have to be battled. But a term that I, I constantly hear when students go abroad, even if it's on a two-week study tour, with a faculty member, 
is they they always they always speak about how friendly people are to them. And so they're going to a country where they don't speak the language or they speak a little bit of the language. And obviously we'd like them to know much more. What they find is that people are, are so warm that they will, they will almost work with them to understand the, the words they're trying to use in their own language in order to communicate. And then they look forward to, to practicing or using their English uh, on, on our students, et cetera. And obviously many more students around the world now have are studying and have been studying English for a, for a long time. But, but you know, those, those issues of stereotypes and that divide us in terms of our understanding of other peoples isn't just from the U.S. That exists also in, in other countries. And um, I've done quite a bit of work with students coming from China uh, to various campuses in the United States. And I recall being in China years ago um, on one of the missions to meet my Chinese presidential counterparts. And in the process, I had a chance to meet parents. Now, most of the parents in China that were sending their children abroad, like to UCO or other institutions, they are, they are parents of means. They have the ability to afford their children to go to school. And education plays such a huge role in their culture that getting the best education possible is important. But I can still remember, Mark, sitting with um, a, a mother of an 18-year-old uh, a daughter who was about to matriculate to UCO as a, as a uh, graphic arts student, an outstanding one, as a matter of fact. And she looked me right in the eye and in, in, her, in English, because she could speak English fairly well. She wanted to know um, if I was going to, quote, take care of her daughter, and that if she was, A, going to be safe, and B, what kind of uh, learning experience she was going to have, and how would she be received by those persons when she arrived. She had the means to probably send her daughter to Australia, New Zealand, England, wherever she might want to. And she picked the US for a variety of reasons and happened to pick UCO, but it really it resonated with me because it was not about, it wasn't speaking it through statistics. It wasn't about a stereotypic image of a Chinese person. This was a real mother in real time, and she only had one daughter. And she, it was very important to her that her experience in the United States was going to advance her education, make her more um, able to compete in a very competitive marketplace, and so that her daughter can have the kind of good life that she hoped that she would. And that's why she was so invested in her. Well, you're right, Don. It, it becomes a, a family effort. It's a, you, I'm glad you mentioned parents because uh, the trust, the, the security, the safety is so so important and uh and to make sure I, I know one one issue that i was involved with where uh one of the students had a, an allergic reaction to uh, food in in one country and they really didn't have the uh the medicine in that particular country so we were able to uh get in touch with uh, the, the doctors in the u.s so they could communicate uh, with uh, those in that particular country and and it worked out uh fortunately the person got well the student very quickly, but to have somebody you could reach out to on uh, whether it's U.S. or you may be having an issue in China or any parts of the world, you need somebody to be able to reach out to and feel secure with because uh, they're at they're they're part of your family also, and uh, and I know that's why I mentioned the local impact uh, of the international students. We we wind up embracing uh, students. I see that here in Edmond, and, and I know other. 
places in Oklahoma across the, the U.S. where we're embracing these students. Anytime you have an impact of 406,000 jobs and uh, the, the economy picks up because of them, uh, you know, when you have 1,500 students or so like at UCO and they're, they're touching lives, but not just like you said, it's not just a money issue by any means. And it's not just saying we're going to have uh, have a great job for you down the road because you did this. It's also knowing that down the road you have friends that reach out. I still reach out to folks uh, across the world that back in my uh, 20s, 30s, 40s, um, we start to tell my age. But uh, but I, re I was able to reach out to so many through the years because of the communication. I mentioned uh, having meals together. Uh, going on, uh, you know, adventures together, uh, trips together. And uh, that's a, a big deal because I, I remember working in China back in 1994. And actually, it started a year before that. And I was working on a, for a company on import-export uh, agreement. And uh, it, was, it was a business deal, but it also would impact students. And so uh, I worked on it for about a year and wound up going to China to finalize the, uh, the agreement. And uh, it was one of the first uh, independent agreements uh, of, of its sort because normally in, in overseas it would take, uh, and not just China, but other countries, it would take uh, some time to build the relationship just on trust. And once you had the trust, then the agreement came in place. But we built this trust up and relationship and communication over a year. We were able to sign it. And, and because of that, uh, a lot of efforts came forth uh, for, for both sides. But that was in the 90s. And I, I can give examples like that. I know you can too, Don, that have been uh, great for you as well. Well, and, and Mark, I'm really glad you give those examples because it, it actually amplifies and illustrates what we said earlier about public diplomacy and the interpersonal relationships. One of the final things I want to say today, and we really would probably uh, review or return to the subject later, has to do with the very real factor that international students play in the U.S. economy beyond the important statistics that you just offered, which were crucial to understanding their value. But when I think across U.S. universities, the 3,500 that are there and all the graduate programs, particularly the graduate programs in the STEM disciplines, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, et cetera, we would find, we do find a disproportionate number of international students in those programs to the point where there are some of those programs at some universities with names that we'd all recognize that would not be viable, would not sustain themselves were it not for international students. And once they've graduated, with masters and doctorate and research experience, they become incredibly important to US economy, US industry, US technology, et cetera. Many of those people that are being hired into those positions are people who graduated from US graduate schools in these disciplines who were not born in this country. Um, sometimes if you watch a procession of graduates uh, at a university, they're getting doctoral degrees in these areas and listen to the names that are being read and watch them come across the stage and just begin to understand how enriched the culture and the economic vitality of the country is when you have these students becoming these experts who then become part of the fabric, not only of a company, but also of a community. Uh, and they raise their families here and it's, 
de facto the story of America since since the early days when uh, when there was colonization, et cetera. So anyway, Mark, uh, this is a fascinating subject and I am so pleased that you had suggested it. I hope it's of some interest to those that will listen in and and to realize that international internationalization, higher education, which is an ongoing reality at every institution can take many, many forms. But the idea is we are in and of this world and we have to be conversant in it and connected with it. Thank you, Don. And thank you, audience, for listening. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes. Thanks for joining us for the conversation. Make sure to visit our website at newscape.us. Also, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. We would really appreciate it.